Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the Laces Out podcast, our NFL podcast. We've got a guest this week, and uh, what a guest it is. I won't spoil it, but you know, it's guest, so it's good, isn't it? Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe, and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And uh, the biggest one there is share the podcast around. It's the, uh, it's the best thing you can do for podcasting. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast. Laces out. We can't remember. We can't remember who started us off last time, can we? I can't. I can't. I can't get a, a feel for things with the lack of the actual audio recording. Um, so I'm now like, is it recording? I have to trust that the thing, you know, the thing that said recording is recording. So there we go. Uh, a little insight into the behind the scenes from the uh, from the Cookie Cast Laces Out podcast, our NFL podcast. Um, I, I was just going to say you've, you've you've well and truly peeled back the curtain there, sir. Love it, absolutely. Love it. Um, as as always, I am here, and I am joined by my co-host and man with the most, Mr. Paul Williams. How are you, sir? I am very very well. Um, better than. Dare I suggest six sets of fans of franchises in the NFL this week? That is jumping ahead somewhat because I I I did a lot of work this week to get us a guest. I worked really hard to get us a guest. What I mean by that is Paul got us a guest. Because I No, I've dropped I've dropped I've dropped the ball. Um, so, joining us this week, live by satellite, is the Getting Over Podcast Zone, Mr. Stuart Mansey. How are you, sir? Oh, um, I'm all right. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, um, I'm here. That's <laughs> not all I can say to that, I'm afraid. So, it's it's that fine line between... <clears throat> Player football is great and player football is not great because, as we know, it signifies the beginning of the end. It's like the horns. Um, but player football is the finest football. At least it's supposed to be. It's just nobody seems to tell the teams in question when it comes to stepping out on the field that it's supposed to be the finest of football there is because. As years gone by, the playoffs come and go, and every time we ask the question, how did that team get into the playoffs to then royally shit the bed? We'll be going through that. The games that are coming up this week, um, I believe we've got some stats and everything in between. Oh, before I forget, I have the hottest of hot takes. I had an epiphany and I went, it's almost like they sent me the script. Let's put it that way. That's all I'm saying. So if we get the opportunity to get into hot takes, I have the hottest, juiciest of takes. So I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, who's going to rattle off an absolute I don't know what to call it, like a like a feast of games from last week. Paul, what have you got? Well, well thank you very much, Mr. Cook. What I'd, uh, before we before we dive straight into the super in inverted commas wild card weekend games, I thought we should have a little spot check on the season long predictions and see where we're at. Obviously, because we've got a guest on this week. Um, 
I felt it appropriate to uh, look back at the season-long predictions that were made for the Super Bowl and see who might be in, who might be out, who might be shaking it very much all about. Um, sadly, the only person whose Super Bowl prediction can no longer be made goes by the name of Paul Jonathan Williams as my prediction of the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Philadelphia Eagles is no longer a possibility. One of those teams didn't even make the postseason. The other unceremoniously dumped on their tuckish by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I am well and truly out of the game. Four other people can only get 50% of their uh, prediction correct. Those would be yourself, as you would, you would, you would, uh, you would clubbed for a Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles rematch. Chiefs, very much still alive. Um, James Forrest Gray and Mark from the podcast previous had both selected a Miami Dolphins San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl. Um, and James had also gone for a Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. Chief. So that's four people that have been knocked out of the ring altogether. The people who've still... Um, in fact, the only two people left in with a full chance at making the Super Bowl, as it, as it was predicted, is Matt Moore with his Bills 49ers pick. And the gentleman joining us this week Mr. Woodmansey with his Kansas City Chiefs San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl matchup. Just a little update there. Thought it'd be interesting to see as Mr. Woodmansey joining us this week. That was going to go terribly when you first started that. I thought that was an opportunity to just go, look how bad you did. And now I'm I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> no, if, if anything, you uh, you need to take over at the start of next season as the, uh, as the regular co-host of the uh, I, I the honestly NFL. thought that he was just going to skip through all of the uh, predictions and get on to the season-long MVP. So, we'll dive into super, in inverted commas, Wild card weekend games. And we started with the Cleveland Browns taking on the Houston Texans in Houston. From a predictions perspective, we had all backed the Cleveland Browns. How incredibly selfish and foolish that was, as I believe they scored their 14 points on their first two drives and then didn't score again for the rest of the game. They were thoroughly beaten by the Houston Texans. I remember I remember a point where we were like, you know, going backwards and forwards about why we'd made our picks, how we'd made our picks. And there was a mention of uh, CJ Stroud getting back back at it. And it was a bit like, yeah, you know, it, it could go a different way, but we're back in the Browns. This was a foolish thing to do. Clearly, a very, very foolish thing to do. Uh, so myself, Mr. Cook, and last week's guest predictor, Mrs. Amy Williams, sadly, are 0 for one at this point. The Texans moving to the divisional round. The next game, so did you, did you guys, sorry, Paul. Did you did you guys see the the promotional stuff that the the effort that the Browns had gone to as well? In obviously, this is me with the wrestling background, but they they have quite a few famous Cleveland Brown fans uh, out there. Um, the Miz and a few of the commentary team, Johnny Gagano, they'd gone to town and spent an absolute bucket load on sending these little shoebox things out. Did you see this? I did not. It had a hoodie, some confetti, I assume for all of the celebrations that they were going to have shortly after the, the game last weekend. And each each box, I had some other stuff in it as well, but each box had a custom pair of trainers in it. That is not cheap, and then for the, for them to go out in the in the way that they did was, um, I mean, you, maybe don't like send out the party celebrations before you've actually finalised you were uh, having that party next year is what I would say to that. 
not the greatest look. It's not the greatest look ever, let's, let's be honest. Uh, so, Texans move on. Our next game saw the Miami Dolphins travelling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs in what I believe was recorded as the fourth coldest game on record in the National Football League. Um, I believe the Chiefs scored on their opening drive and you might as well have ended the game there as the Chiefs were never not in the lead or a tie for the lead in the course of this game. I've said this before um, and I, I will I will forever keep saying this. I believe there should be an option to end the game. <laughs> I believe and I know I know I know the argument I know every argument for the fact that well, you never know what might happen. But unless, you know, we start the 2024 season with and announcing the fact that he's going to come out of retirement again, um, there are only certain teams and certain players that are going to come back from a massive deficit with two minutes left on the clock, three minutes left, with a quarter left on the clock. I believe there should be an option to say, we've looked at the stats, we've looked at where we are now, and we physically cannot bring this game back. We are agreeing to end it now where we are. So you're saying that there should be the yellow flag, the coach's red challenge flag, and some form of white flag would be... Or a towel, like a... I know, I know all the arguments against that, but we've all sat, especially in a situation where you're watching a game, for example, you've watched a game that has finished and you may or may not know the score. If you're watching back at, through a game, it's like, well, I know for a fact there is X amount of football left, but no more, no more points are scored. So do we just turn it off now? or? And it's a bit like, can we just have that rule where we just say, I'm not going to score three touchdowns in the next three and a half minutes because after each touchdown, you get the ball. I'm just I, I, know, I know what you mean, but it's, it's, I think it's just that sort of spirit of the game sort of idea. And then you've obviously got like certain players who at some point might need like, Catches or yardage or whatever. Like I say, like I say, I I understand, appreciate, and agree with all of those things. You know, there will be players out there that like, yeah, but if I get another ten yards, I'm going to get a million dollar bonus. Yes, you should actually go absolutely go out and get those ten yards. But no, I, I know, I know what you mean. Um, it is it is a tricky one. Um, so, yes, so on this one, um, like we said, the fourth coldest game on record in the, in the entire league history. Um, and obviously, Dolphins clearly like it warm, not cold, as they were never really in this game. Uh, the Chiefs were really out comfortable, comfortable winners. Um, from a prediction perspective, we had all picked the Chiefs. So, um, sensible. Sensible. We're now one for two. Um, the third game of the week was supposed to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. However, um, excessive snow, I believe, was given as the uh, as the excuse for um, not playing this game on the scheduled Sunday six pm slot. Um, that's in the UK. This game was moved to the Monday 9.30 p.m. slot. Um, didn't really change the outcome. Uh, the Bills went into this as the heavy, heavy favourite, and that's the way it panned out. Um, although I did get a little bit interested in the second, in the in, in the sort of the third and fourth quarters when the, when the Steelers did manage to bring it back to within one score. Um, I, I believe the Bills eventually ran out with a, with a 10-point victory. Um, but at one point, it did look like it was getting, it was going to get a little bit closer than it probably should have been at one point. The uh, the Steelers though finally put out their misery in a bit of a 
up and down season where they probably in all in all sort of series probably shouldn't have made the postseason had a couple of other franchises maybe got their act together. We're looking at you, Jacksonville, in that particular regard. Um, the fourth game of the weekend saw, or, or what was scheduled to be the fourth game of the weekend, saw probably the biggest shock of the weekend as we had the Packers going into Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And this is another one for me where the, the game was almost almost settled on the first attack, really, um, as the Packers, um, I believe they, I don't know if they won the toss and, and elected to take the ball or the, the Cowboys won the toss and elected to defer to the, to the second half. Um, but on they, the very made first a big, drive... They, they made a big song and dance about that, though, as well, because the um, commentary team in the States were saying about how when Dallas have received the ball and then gone in front, they hadn't lost this season or something to that effect. And Green Bay knew that and therefore opted. I think Green Bay won the toss and elected to receive and went for it to kind of try and unsettle them. And it I seemed see. to work. It, 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 it definitely worked. Um, Aaron Jones coming off the back of three consecutive 100-yard games looked in ominously good form, which is, if you're an NFC fan that's not a fan of the Packers, is concerning, I would say. Uh, it seems like he's missed roughly half of the season with injury. Um, so he just looks like he's back to his best and more more sort of concerning for them. Um, fresh for the playoffs. So um, he he pretty much just gashed the Cowboys for over 100 yards rushing, um, three touchdowns on the evening, and um, yes, quite a comprehensive Packers win. Um, just on me, I didn't give the predictions for the Bills Steelers game. Uh, myself and Andy both had predicted the Bills. Amy had incorrectly predicted the Steelers, so she slips the one and from one from three. Myself and Andy two from three. However, she did have the Packers to beat the Cowboys. So she moves to three from four, uh, two from four. Andy and myself slipped to two from four. Um, the second to last game of the sort of the arranged schedule was the Rams at the Lions. Um, this was the closest game of the weekend, um, and probably on paper, well, I suppose maybe not. I mean, the Lions probably should have been favourites in this one, but obviously, this one was the one that had the most. I'd say personal stuff going into it. Obviously, you had the two the two quarterbacks going up against the, the drafted teams, um, and there was the whole story of the Rams. Um, the Rams had given up on Jared Goff to go for Matthew Stafford to get over the hump and get the Super Bowl, which they did. Um, one of those one of those strange stories where you can argue that both teams kind of did okay out of the trade um, because obviously the Rams got. The Rams got to the Super Bowl and got their Super Bowl victory, whereas the Lions, with all the raft of draft picks that they got back, have managed to draft an incredibly strong side and now look like potentially they themselves could go to the Super Bowl if everything sort of falls in their favour. Um, but it was the close, like I say, it was the closest game of the weekend. It was settled by, um, I believe, one point in the end. Um, the Lions running out as the victors in their first home. Playoff games since 1992, uh, and it was also their first their first playoff victory since that particular year. Um, so the uh, the fans in Detroit um, were obviously in great spirits, and given the result that had happened in Dallas earlier in the day, knew that going in a win would guarantee them a second consecutive home playoff game in the same season. Um, so they move on to the next round. Myself and Andy had picked the Lions in this one. Sadly, Amy had gone with the Rams, so she drops to two from five. Me and Andy move on to three from five. And we finished off the week. Sorry, the super wildcard weekend with the Eagles taking on the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Myself and Andy had the Eagles to bounce back in strong fashion. Uh, whereas Amy had taken the Buccaneers with the home field advantage. And um, 
We should listen to Arandi as the Eagles were probably the most disgusting playoff team I have seen in my entire life, my entire time watching the um, the NFL. I would say they were absolutely appalling. The Eagles may or may not be one of the main teams I may or may not have been referring to at the start of this podcast. Um, don't dick me around. Don't take me all the way to the playoffs and then go. Hmm. They were shocking. Now, let's all be clear, they have been struggling hard for weeks at this point. Realistically, the team that they were going into the playoffs probably shouldn't have been going into the playoffs, and they then went and proved that by just being woefully bad. And as we've seen from previous seasons, shit like that winds me up. Don't go to the playoffs if you're not going to play a playoff-level game. I want to see backwards and forwards. I want to see point for point on, or almost no points where you walk away and the game ends up being like a 10-7 and you're like, that is possibly one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Those are the only two possibilities. Don't rock up and go, uh, oh, we didn't, we didn't do it. Uh, I have no interest in that. That is not a playoffs for me. I want my money back. I didn't pay any of it, but, you know. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, just, just an awful lot of um, missed, missed tackles and, like, not even missed tackles where, like, where the guy's just positioned himself, like, poorly. Um, there, was, there, was, there was one uh, one touchdown the book scored where the the attempt at tackling by the Eagles players was was absolutely it was pathetic, like just nowhere near sort of the levels that that they need to be to sort of be in the position to win um, a playoff game, let alone a Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> very concerning. And I think a lot of people have said off the back of it that there might be concerns that um, Nick Sirianni's position as the head coach could be in serious jeopardy because it just looks as if the players had completely down tools and just we, work in agreement with we, which coach. would be which would be strange because that Eagles team if you take them over the last few years uh, you know on average that team has been a good strong team yes we couldn't put our finger on what was going wrong towards the back end of the season and yes they have rolled out a terrible performance going into the playoffs well, I think if you look at the team and the last few seasons, it's been a it's been a playoff bound team from week one, game one. It's like to say, oh, let, let's let's get rid. Seems a bit like we'd maybe jump in the gun on that one. So, from a predictions perspective, um, that ended up being uh, a tie. Yeah, three-way tie as uh, myself, Mister Cook, and Amy we all went three for six. Um, <coughs> myself and Andy being let down by the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. Amy being let down by the Browns, the Steelers, and the Rams. Um, from a uh, scores perspective, I, I I couldn't really get into the position of doing halves and adding thirds on, so I just gave each of us a half point. So there's a rogue half point just swimming about in the ether. Now, um, I move on to five points for the season. Andy moves to six and a half points for the season. The collective guest to eight points for the season. The only thing from week 19, as it were, otherwise known as super, in inverted commas, wild card weekend, is the side bet. Now, because myself and Andy had picked all six games the same way, we only divvied up three games apiece. Um, Andy had taken the Lions to beat the Rams. However, he had also taken the Cowboys to beat the Packers Jesus. and the Eagles to beat the Buccaneers. Oh, son of a bitch. So it only gets one point for the Cyber this week. I had taken the Bills to beat the Steelers. Damn it. The Chiefs to beat the Dolphins. Son of a bitch. And the Browns to beat the Texans. So I only get two points myself. 
Mm. Missing out on that three-point clean sweep. It does mean that Andy moves to 45 points for the season for the side bet. I move to 53 points for the season. Andy now slips eight points behind in the side bet. It may be an unassailable lead. I was just about to say, does does that officially put me out of the race now? Possibly. We'll we'll see. We'll try and we'll try and jimmy something this week, and we'll see how we get how we get away. As I said earlier, if there is a point where you know you can't win, you have to admit defeat and say, "That's me. That's me out of here, guys." I'm I'm happy to take the loss. The right flag. So that's super in inverted commas wild card weekend done and dusted. Before we move on to the NFL divisional weekend pits, I believe we have some stats. To go with super in advert commas, wild card weekends games. There are there are some stats, but I I, th- I feel that I don't want to let my hot take go, so I want to just very quickly get my hot take out. Are you ready? This is going to blow your minds. Okay, I saw something in one of the games, and I went, "Oh my word!" I've worked out. I've seen. Who has been the loudest voice this entire NFL season? And I'll give you a clue. He's not the loudest voice anymore because he's been banned from the show. That's right. Aaron Rodgers has been the loudest voice this NFL season. What would be... The sweetest of revenges if the Green Bay Packers go all the way to the Super Bowl and win without Aaron Rodgers. It's like some kind of twisted fairy tale story that just might actually now come true because of what we've seen so far. So there you go. That's that is my latest hot take. It is now uh, recorded evidence. Here we go. So when it happens, I'll be like, "Well, there you go." Oh. And on that note, let's discuss Week Nineteen Wildcard Weekend. Credit goes to Nate Davis of USA Today, but I think more important than that is uh, credit goes to the Stats Mistress pulling together the finest. Of stats. The first of which is one for Paul. All of the home teams won, except the Dallas Cowboys, who hadn't lost in their building all season. Number two, Philadelphia Eagles in a 32-9 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might have been the exclamation point we really didn't want. Number three, after a weather delay and a massive upset, the divisional round matchups were finally set Monday. And while the top seeded San Francisco 49ers and Baltimore Ravens will open in the neighborhood of double digit favorites over the Green Bay Packers and Houston Texans, respectively, Sunday's games, Bucks at Lions and Kansas City Chiefs at Buffalo Bills. Project as more exciting pairings. I mean, Chiefs, Bills. Mm. Number four, and I believe my last of the stats, there are only five active quarterbacks in the league who have started and won a Super Bowl. The Cleveland Browns, Joe Flacco is one, but he was on the wrong side of a 45-14 blowout at Houston. The Rams, Matthew Stafford, is another, but he was booed and battered on the way to a nip-and-tuck 24-23 loss in Motown on Sunday. Paul, anything to uh, anything to add to that? Um, I'm, I'm assuming you were giving this from me. Um, Flacco did go down throwing. Sorry. Flacco did go down throwing three touchdown passes, though. 
One for his team, two to the Texans. With Flacco and Stafford out, and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in bystander roles long, long ago, the only remaining passer with Super Bowl, Super Bowl bona fides is two-time MVP Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs. Of the seven other remaining slingers, Philly's Jalen Hurts also ousted on Monday night. Under the Lions, Jared Goff has Sunday Super Sunday experience. The Bills' Josh Allen and 49ers' Brock Purdy have both, have both reached the conference title round. Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield now has as many postseason wins as the Dallas Cowboys' Dak Prescott. Nice little piece of history for Jared Goff, the first quarterback to win a playoff game against the team for whom, for whom he previously appeared in the postseason. He turned the trick three years after famously being traded for Stafford. Um, and finally for me, as embarrassing as Dallas's 48-32 defeat to Green Bay was, it also marked the first win for a seventh-seeded playoff team since the field expanded to 14 entries in 2020. In breaking that 0-6 streak, the Packers, the league's youngest team in 2023, looked far more like a number two seed than the created Cowboys. I believe I'm passing over to Mr. Woodmansey now to uh, end us on the old stats. Indeed. Uh, So the first for me is... With the Eagles and Cowboys both vanquished, the NFC East will be the only division without a representative during the upcoming divisional round. Uh, next, Texans quarterback CJ Stroud became the fourth first-round rookie in the common draft era to win a playoff game, joining Ben Roethlisberger, Mark Sanchez and Paul. Who's the other one? Joe Flacco. What was the, what was the stat again? <laughs> it's a Flacco stat. I thought you'd just guess his name regardless, because you know. Uh, but now, can Stroud do something even more remarkable? Houston, one of four NFL franchises to never reach the Super Bowl, is the only one that's never appeared in a conference championship game, though the Oilers did. And finally, the Lions have also never played on Super Sunday. They and the Browns are the only club since the Super Bowl's inception following the 1966 season to never reach it throughout that entire duration. But on Sunday night, the Lions ended the league's longest playoff drought at 32 years by squeezing past the Rams. Now, head coach Dan Campbell and co are just one win from qualifying for what would only be Detroit's second appearance in the NFC title round. There we go. Very, very nice indeed. Puts a nice little bow on the end of, one more time for those uh, who haven't read it before, super, in inverted commas, wild card weekend. That's that done and dusted. We move to the NFL divisional weekend round. Four games left. Eight teams to pick from. Myself, Mr. Cook and Mr. Womanty have made our predictions. I have them written down in the book in front of me. We'll go through them game by game, discuss our picks, and then we'll let you know what the side bets will be for myself and Mr. Cook. Before we do that, though, we are just going to take a small second to step away, recompose ourselves, and bring that tasty little uh, treat to you. Don't go anywhere, though. We'll be right back in your feed very, very shortly. Yes, indeed. Welcome back on in, ladies and gentlemen. So, NFL Divisional Weekend brings with it four games, the first of which see the number one seed in the AFC, Baltimore Ravens, at home to the fourth seed, Houston Texans. Of course, the Texans one game away from what would be their first appearance in an AFC championship game. Sadly, myself, Mr. Cook, and Mr. Woodman Z don't give 
the Houston Texans much of a chance of making their first AFC Championship game as we have all backed the Ravens to get the win here. Um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel this one's the easiest one to predict of the weekend. I think that comes with our third game that we'll get to discuss personally. Um, but something that we'll get onto in the next game, I feel a lot a lot more confident with this one than I do the other number one seed game, shall I say. Um, this one, this one's probably got a bigger banana skin written on it because at least the other ones have got a bit more. Like, I think if this, if this was, I think that that would this would be the biggest shock. I think personally, and part of me is like, it's one of those. There is absolutely no question the way this is going to go. So then is it going to be less or more of a surprise when we reconvene this time next week and start talking about how the Texans managed to win that game? I'm, I'm a bit like, I know every single playoff has an upset. Every single playoff has. There's these two teams. One team shouldn't be in the playoffs and the other team is the number one seed. And at the end of that game, one team didn't turn up and the other one's going to the Super Bowl sort of situation, or at least going on to the next round. There is always an upset. If we go back to last week and look at our predictions across the board, there was a lot of who could have seen that coming sort of situation. There's a couple of teams that you look at and go, they probably shouldn't have been in the playoffs and have gone on to the next round. So... The bigger upset for me is, does, you know, when we predict the Bills-Chiefs game, <clears throat> is there a right answer? Could you gun to your head say, I am going to tell you who's going to win this game? <clears throat> You're not getting it from that. You're getting it from the Ravens are going to turn up and they're going to walk it until the Texans beat them. You know, it's that. You know, let's jump forward to the uh, to the Green Bay Packers game and talk about that one, because... Uh, well, well, hang on. Just to put a nice little bow on the Ravens-Texans one, all I'll say is that the Ravens are going to go into this with the majority of their starters having not played for two full weeks. Which was highlighted uh, around the Eagles game. They were saying, like, Jalen Hurts was injured and they hadn't played. Is that so? Obviously, like there's 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 precedent for for teams like pulling their starters and stuff, and when they've got a week a week off, two weeks off, sometimes that's a little more that's a little more difficult to come back from. So I have picked, like I said, we've all picked the Ravens, but part of me wouldn't be surprised if the Texans took an early lead in this one, it took the Ravens a little bit more time to get into the flow of the game because they, they, their players are sort of uh, right, shaking off a bit of the rust, so to speak. We, we all know that Tucker will get the magic leg out and then it'll be game over. Yeah. It'll be fine. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. So, second game of the divisional round weekend sees the seventh seed Green Bay Packers Travel to San Francisco to take on the number one seed in the NFC, San Francisco 49ers. Um, people will be expecting a 49ers clean sweep in this one, and they'd be absolutely correct if they were taking into account Mr. Cook and Mr. Woodman's pits. I have gone with the upset here. I, I think the Packers will have enough to get the 49ers beat, only because I think they're going into this game with absolutely nothing to lose. No one thinks they can beat the Niners. They've got the healthier of the two running backs, I would say. There's still question marks over whether Christian McCaffrey's going to be fit. Um, it's the battle of two fairly fairly rookie-ish quarterbacks. Obviously, Jordan was drafted before Brock Purdy was in years. Obviously, Brock Purdy goes into this with, with more starts under his belt. Um, but for me, I just think off the sample size, 
I think Jordan Love is the more accurate quarterback. He's the more dynamic quarterback. Given the game that he played against Dallas on uh, on uh, on Sunday, I think he's got more about his game that I would be happy with if I was a supporter of the two teams than Purdy. Um, and I just think there's always one game in each sort of round of games that throws up the shock or throws up the surprise. And I think it's this one more so than the Texans-Ravens one, personally. You two obviously clearly disagree with me. So um, No, no. no I, I said, I was like, this is the one where we're going to reconvene and we're going to be like, okay, so the Texans beat the Ravens, but what might be more of a shock is the Packers beat... You know, it's going to be the Packers beat the freaking... I've lost, I've lost my train of thought. Like that. The Packers beat the 49ers. The Texans beat the Ravens. And at that point in time, we go, I mean, what is what is happening here? What is going to be the, the outcome? What is the Super Bowl, Super Bowl going to be at this point in time? Green Bay to win, that's all I'm saying. I I I dis I disagree purely for the fact that like I I feel that they've absolutely peaked in that Cowboys game, like nobody expected it, and I just I I think that they've they'll they've blown it all out too early. I think uh, I know what you mean about the break kind of disrupting momentum and all the rest of it, but I can't see I really can't see the Forty ers not winning that game. Yeah, I mean like. Like I said, I think I'll be massively in the minority. Um, and obviously, if the, if the Pickham's thing is still is still going for the postseason, I'd love to see what the percentage pick of people back in the Packers over the Niners is. Because I imagine it's probably in the maybe not in the single digits, but I'd imagine it's in the low tens. I was going to say it might <clears throat> it might not be single digits, but I don't think it'd be much more. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see like a, a 12, 88% sort of split on that one. I do, um, I do take your, your point with it though, because I think the, in terms of like, like sort of myself and, and you exchanged messages earlier today about, but I, I, the, the Green Bay are probably going to be the more dangerous of the pair because they've got that free hit element about it. Um, the, the pressure's not on them, put it that way. Yeah. That's and that's the only that, that's the only reason I've picked them is because they go into this fully expecting to get beaten. So in their head, surely they're just playing with complete freedom and they can just basically afford to take a few chances here and there and like maybe play on the fact that the um the crowd might get on the 49ers back if they go a couple of touchdowns down or a couple of scores down and stuff like that. Um but We'll, we'll move on. So our third game of the week sees the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travelling to Detroit to take on the Lions. And no great shock here. Um, even despite his heroics against the Philadelphia Eagles, um, we don't really give Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield and his Buccaneers much of a chance as we've all backed the Lions to get the win here. Um, like I said, I think of the... Of the four games, if I was if I was asked by someone to put my money on one of them as the absolute banker of the weekend, this is where I'd be putting my, my money, personally. I think the Lions are much, much stronger than the Bucs um, in all aspects of the game. You could argue that maybe Mike Evans is the best receiver across the course of the um, of the two teams, but Amon Rasant Brown is a very, very good receiver for the Lions. The Lions have arguably got the best running backs or running back duo in the league in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Um, and strangely enough, Sam Laporta seemed to come through the game with the Rams without any adverse effects to his uh, knee injury that he picked up the week before. So... Um, I think it's I think it's all set up for the Lions to 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 go to the um, the NFC Championship game and, and possibly even you know go the whole way for me. I agree. I will say this, and 
maybe it's just a bit of devil's advocate or whatever. Um, the Lions look good in their game. The Bucks look good in their game. They, you know, it's it's one of those. Baker's not exactly my favorite quarterback in in history, um, but I am more of a. You generally have to give credit where credit's due. They they looked good. Do they look good enough to beat the Lions? I don't know. And I know that this game is coming up as a as a side bet possibility, and you know it might be it might come down to the team on paper that looks better than the other team versus the team that wants it more versus you know did did so and so have a good night's sleep the night before. Um, this is not the game I want to be picking. Let's put it that way. Um, but you know we have to, so that's the name of the game. And any thoughts on that, Um, I mean, obviously, like spoiler, spoiler alert. I went complete homer <laughs> for all of them, didn't I? But like, I no, I are we are we finally getting? The, the Baker Mayfield that was promised all those years ago is would be the the thing is he absolutely for my money shot the bed at the Browns big time considering all the promise and pomp and circumstance that that came with it has that finally been the oh, almost like the wake up call to keep your mouth shut and go about your business quietly and just get on with the job um I guess we'll see mm. I I disagree slightly with the um, the Mayfield sort of like um, story with the Browns. I think there was as much the Browns kind of shat on him as he shat the bed with them. To be honest with you, um, you could argue that he's had the last laugh in that they've you know traded for a quarterback who, let's be honest, hasn't done much with them since he's been there. And they and and he's gone on to make the postseason with the Bucks in his first season with them, and looks like he could potentially be their starter for a, for a number of years moving forward. And um, let's call, I was and convinced let's... for a second uh, you, that you were going to then say, and now they've got a quarterback that's old enough to be his dad. But <laughs> and let's not forget whose shoes he's stepping into. Yeah. You know, that, is there is there a bigger shadow cast? Than the, than the shoes he's stepping into, and if I'm honest, like I say, I'm not not Baker's biggest fan, but does not look phased by it. Which yeah, but if he, he had he done, had to do that, if he'd have done badly, the excuse is pre-written of oh well, he was never going to be as good as as um, TV twelve. But in the same sense, like if he's if he does all right out of it, like he'll he'll start to write his own story. That's what what I mean about just. Go about your business quietly, get on with it, and then just let everybody else worry about, you know, the the perception because he can only change that by putting in a shift. Yeah, absolutely. Totally true. So that leaves us with one game, and annoyingly, from a British perspective, it's the game I want to watch the most. And it's at the worst possible time from a British perspective to watch it. So finishing off the weekend, we have what's almost become the the defecto like or the de facto AFC Super Bowl decider over the past couple of years. It's happened twice in the last three years, um, only disrupted by the Bengals. Um, Getting in amongst it um, a couple a couple of times, um, but we see the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. The difference this time being that it won't be taking place in Kansas City. This will be taking place in Buffalo. Um, obviously, I was going to say where the weather could be a huge factor. Completely forgetting, of course, that the Kansas City Chiefs against the Dolphins game was the fourth coldest game in history. So. You know, probably um, 
whether if I wouldn't say we can completely take the weather out of this one, but it's not as if it's a it's a cold weather team playing against a warm weather team where it becomes a huge advantage one way or the other. Um, but if it snows, it may affect certain elements of either the run game or the passing game on either side of the ball. Now, myself and Stu have backed the Bills in this one, whereas Andy has gone with what I would imagine is the hot hand in this one of the Chiefs, given the previous games that have been played in the postseason between the two. Um, what you I will say, say... You say that. Um, I had a quick look at some of the odds for the upcoming games. And uh, the Chiefs are not odds-on favourite. That doesn't surprise me, given how strong the Bills have been at home this season. Identical records as well, so it's like flip a coin territory for a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man, I, I imagine. I imagine we're, we're talking point and a half, half a point between the two. As the as like if, if they're having the Bills as favourites, maybe by one and a half points, and that's it. Um, but in the game against the Steelers, I believe that Josh Allen snapped a streak of something ridiculous, like sixteen games where he hadn't thrown an interception. Sorry, snapped a streak of sixteen games where he had thrown an interception. So this was the first game that he'd come through in a long time where he didn't throw a pick. Um, could you argue that he's got that stat out of the way at the worst possible time as if to sort of like reset his stats so to speak and now that he's going to go into this one he might start throwing you know a couple of Joe Flacco specials you know pick sixes back to back and stuff like that um, I've given I've given the edge to the Bills simply because if we go back to week 18, in their game against Miami, it was a it was a simple winning in scenario for them. And they knew that if they won, they would soak the number two seed. Now, for me, I said then, if they beat the Dolphins, I felt that they would go the whole distance. I said that they would run the table and at least get to the Super Bowl. Maybe not win it, but I still maintain that I think that winning that game against Miami has given them the momentum to go, it doesn't matter who we play, it doesn't matter where we play them, we will beat anyone that's put in front of us. So I have gone with the Bills, and I will maintain now, it doesn't matter who wins over the Texans and Ravens for me, if the Bills make it through this game, I will be picking the Bills to make the Super Bowl for the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty much a done deal. If 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 they beat the Chiefs, they're going the whole way. And yeah, nothing. No, if, if like you say, you know, once they once they beat Miami, I think I would. I think I would sort of say, you know, it's potentially worth casting our minds back a little further than that game to a point where there were questions around whether the Bills were struggling a little, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, they've had a couple of good wins, but right the ship, which is what we were talking about at that time. You know, they need to win this game. They need to do this, they need to do that, which it seems that that's what they have done. Um. I've seen I've seen a couple of things recently about um, uh, like memes and stuff about Bills fans when they see um, old uh, old Taylor Swift turn up in the uh, in the crowd because um, apparently that is a stat. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, and again, this has this has to be why I've made the pick I've I've made. You can say whatever you want. You can say the Bills have done this and the Bills have done that and the Bills have done the other. And, and it's all great. It's all wonderful. It's all fantastic. 
you will never be able to take the Chiefs out of the equation. They they have got upset written all over them. They honestly, watching the Chiefs recently, they don't look brilliant. Um, I <laughs> speaking of um, certain relationships, um, Travis Kelsey's looked bad. He uh, dropped passes left, right, and center. I think well, at one point he dropped five times more passes than he caught. Well, they, they brought up the stat that obviously he sat week 18 because they were in the postseason, couldn't change their position. Um, and it snapped his record of making a 1,000 yards receiving in every one of his seasons that he played. Um, so... I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's maybe on his mind that he's sort of like maybe taking his eye off the ball a little bit this season, and he's maybe trying to make up for that by trying to catch everything. Whereas before, if there was a ball sailing over his head, he just let it go and stuff like that. So he's maybe trying to catch the uncatchable balls to sort of make up the fact that he feels he's left some sort of he's left a few um, a few catches, a few receptions, a few touchdowns out there on the field this season, maybe. Yeah, and, and like I say, you know, the Chiefs are, if there's going to be a team that's going to upset the boat, you've got to put the Chiefs in the picture, but the Chiefs haven't yeah. looked like yeah. maybe the Super Bowl-bound team that they should maybe look like at this point in time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think... I think, like you've said, I think what it what it all what it's always going to boil down to is when it comes to playoff season, write the Chiefs off, write the Chiefs off at your peril. Um, the only thing that, that 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 intrigues me somewhat from a Chiefs perspective is obviously this is the first game that Patrick Mahomes is playing a playoff game outside of the Super Bowl. Not in Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Is that going to count for anything? Is it going to give him the sort of impetus to sort of like say, right, I I feel like I can make a statement here, like to sort of say, doesn't matter where you put us, doesn't matter which stadium I was playing in, I've never not made the AFC Championship game. I'm not going to let it start this season. That's the only thing that would intrigue me and, and maybe, sort of maybe think about siding with the Chiefs. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to back out on the Bills now. I've been saying it since at least week 17, 18 that I felt that if they could get the win that they needed to get into the postseason, they would run the board, run the table. And uh, I'm going to stick with that decision. Um, anything else you'd, either of you would like to add to this one? I mean, I, I'm be nice if we got the little snow slide again just for a laugh this weekend. But, uh... <laughs> Obviously, Mr. Wuppertie referring to the uh, the video of the Bills fans in the stadium day before uh, shifting the snow from the stands and helping to uh, get the stadium into a playable position. Getting paid twenty dollars an hour to slide down the stands in a plastic tube. <laughs> Shirt, shirtless, no less. Shirtless. The, the shirtless aspect was probably the, the, the truest of Bill fans. Absolutely crazy. So, our week four, our, well, week four, our divisional weekend picks are in. All that's left to do is for Mr. Cook and myself to make our side bet selections. And obviously, Mr. Cook is behind in the selections. Therefore, I will allow him to go first. Or put me into bat first if that is what he would like to do. No, and, and unfortunately, I will be um, picking up the the first pick, and the first pick is absolutely going to be the first game of the week, and I will be taking the Ravens to beat the Texans. <laughs> very get your very house nice. on the Texans winning that game, kids. <laughs> so the way this is panned out. I will take the Lions as my first overall pick. And then, in theory, what that frees us up to do 
is in in it, it kind of means that we should, in theory, take our selections in the other two games. But only if you want to do it that way. That might make it that might make it interesting because obviously we've both gone the other way on both of those games. Yeah, and that, that's and then that is, for me that that means that we we get six picks out of it rather than just four. I'll go all in. Let's do it. Excellent. So that means that Andy's three <coughs> picks for the Sabbath this week are the Ravens to beat the Texans, the 49ers to beat the Packers, and the Chiefs to beat the Bills. Whereas my three picks in the Sabbath this week are the Lions to beat the Bucks, the Packers to beat the 49ers, and the Bills to beat the Chiefs. Now, obviously, that that may or may not be the case. Um, Andy may get all three points and move move a lot closer to me. I may get all three points, and then I think that would in, that would sew it up altogether. If I get the full three, I think that would that would be it over. No matter what we do with the last sort of two weeks of the season, yeah. unless we start to get into doing Pro Bowl picks with, you know, Ugh. which wide receiver is going to get the most points in the town, in the in the, the skills challenge and all that sort of jazz and stuff like that, which, let's be honest, neither of us have got time for. You could do, honestly, you do extra points for, like, Super Bowl week when it was, like, the MVP and, like, most yards or stuff like oh, that. Oh, don't, oh, don't worry. I've, I've, I've taken very careful time and uh, looked back through the book to see what it was that we've done uh, for picks on the Super Bowl weekend and Last year we did we, we we predicted all sorts. We had the winning team, the game score, the first touchdown scorer, the last touchdown scorer, the Gatorade shower color, the MVP. I seem to remember Mister Cook got that last year as well. Yeah, because the it way it works, Drew, is if you predict purple every year, <laughs> once every seven years, you're right. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Unless either of these gentlemen have got everything, anything else I'd like to bring to the table, that brings us to the end of your super wild card weekend wrap-up and your divisional weekend round look forward to. Thank you, as always, to these wonderful gentlemen. Thank you to Stu for joining us as the, uh, as the guest. Yeah, no worries. For this particular week of the season, dare I say he may be back in uh, a few weeks' time to uh, to give us his Super Bowl picks. Well, um, I mean, there's that, there's that, and there's the uh, inevitable snack discussion because it is. Super ah, ah, yes. Uh, the, uh, don't, don't, because I've I've been planning Super Bowl Sunday for about a year at this point, and I believe my snack game. Maybe nearly as on point as my takeaway game this year. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Peanut butter pretzels, you say? I'm yet to hear a word that I uh, disagree with. So that's that's excellent. Thank you to all of you people for uh, tuning in as always to listen to us ramble on about a sport that's not really that popular over here, but is very much gaining popularity and even so much so that they keep playing more and more games here we love to see it join us again next week where we'll break down the uh, the mishaps and whatnot of the NFL divisional round and we'll bring you our predictions for our championship weekend can't wait thanks thanks again for joining in join us again in a week's time take care of yourselves make sure you take care of each other as well and we will see you on the other side. Catty bye. So there we go. What do you think to that? Big thank you for Stu for being our guest this week. There we go. We're well into the playoffs now. Wonder what's going to happen. Only way to find out is to uh, to watch the games. 
and come back next week, find out what we thought of the games and uh, what we think is going to happen in the upcoming games. Anyway, that's enough from me. But before we go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. Check out the website, cookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button and that way you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cookiecast.